Jesus said to his disciples, A rich man had a steward who was reported to him for squandering his property. He summoned him and said, What is this I hear about you? Prepare a full account of your stewardship, because you can no longer be my steward. The steward said to himself, What shall I do, now that my master is taking the position of steward away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I know what I shall do, that, so that, when I am removed from the stewardship, they may welcome me into their homes. He called on his master's debtors one by one. To the first he said, How much do you owe my master? He replied, One hundred measures of olive oil. He said to him, Here is your promissory note. Sit down and quickly write one for fifty. Then to another the steward said, And you, how much do you owe? He replied, One hundred cores of wheat. The steward said to him, Here's your promissory note. Write one for eighty. And the master commended that dishonest steward for acting prudently. For the children of this world are more prudent in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth, so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. The person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. If, therefore, you are not trustworthy with dishonest wealth, who will trust you with true wealth? If you are not trustworthy with what belongs to another, who will give you what is yours? No servant can serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. At the end of the rite of marriage, there is a trifled blessing that the church bestows through the church's priest or deacon upon the newly married couple. And the last part of that trifled blessing has always struck me, and I actually keep it before my own eyes, although I'm not married, but it is still a very, very important reminder for each and every Christian, but also something I always try to point out to every couple that I prepare. It goes something along the lines of, May the poor and needy who have known your charity welcome you thankfully one day into eternal dwellings. May the poor and needy who have known your charity welcome you one day into eternal dwellings. It is a reminder that by the care that we have for those most in need, whether that be the material poor, someone who is struggling, grieving, or in any sort of dire straits, that the care that a couple gives to them and the care that, they bestow, that is bestowed upon them will ultimately be the ones who offer them and welcome them into the heavenly dwellings of God. That the poor and those we have helped are the ones who welcome us into eternal dwellings. And I think this is rather relevant for us today as we read in today's gospel about the dishonest steward or imprudent steward, depending on the translation. And we hear that he squandered his master's wealth we're not real sure how. Was it through incompetence? Was he stealing? Or did something, or did he like fail to watch over something and it just simply disappeared? Somebody else stole it. And because of his imprudence, that person was able to do so. We're not real sure. We don't have the backstory. We don't know exactly what this steward did wrong, except that he squandered his master's wealth in one way or another. 
And this is important for us because I think in this, in that particular detail that we don't know, there's an invitation for us to put ourselves in that steward's place, to invite ourselves to reflect that in what ways have we been imprudent stewards of our Lord? Because while perhaps he has not entrusted us with a bunch of money and for the church's sake, but still he has given us our existence. Every second is a gift from him. Every moment is ultimately something that he has given to you and you are expected to return to him. The gifts, the dispositions, the attitudes that you have and you, that are yours alone are expected to be used for his glory. And the talents or the treasure, the wealth that you have been given is ultimately in the end a gift from God. All things come from him and all things are expected to return to him. That is what the gospel repeats to us again and again. It's something that fascinated medieval saints to a great extent. Exitus reditus is what they called it. We exit from God, we come from him. We're expected to return to him along with everything else in our life. We have to make an accounting. Just as this imprudent steward is expected to give an accounting of his stewardship. And then upon finding out that he's going to be accounted, he then bestows mercy upon those around him. He bestows mercy upon those who are also in debt. And we too are expected to forgive those who trespass against us. But I think, if you couldn't tell, and if you haven't read your bulletin already, this weekend in the bulletin, we have an insert for both St. Peter and Paul and St. Michael in the bulletin here, showing the past year's financial report, showing the generosity of people of God and what the church has done with it, and then ultimately a letter from me encouraging and thanking you for your generosity. For indeed, I am always immensely grateful. Each and every year, whenever, you know, I've got to do that fun thing, reviewing the financials, looking at it with the finance council, business managers, accountants, bookkeepers, all those things. I'm always so deeply grateful to the people of God for the generosity and the trust that they place within me, within our priest, and within the office that we have at St. Michael and St. Peter and Paul. And it is indeed a great gift. And so, thank you. But then also, there's an encouragement there. Because I think as we read in today's gospel, there is a reminder, one cannot serve both God and mammon. There's a reminder that my internship pastor always, always said to me. He told me not to ever forget, not to neglect preaching on money. So he points out that it's actually one of the few things the Lord talks about multiple times throughout the gospel. You cannot serve both God and mammon. What does that mean? And he would always say, look at a person's pocketbook, and I will show you their heart. A direct reference to Christ also saying elsewhere, where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Where we place our treasure, our time, our talents, and our treasure, says ultimately what our heart is set on. Is it set upon glory? Is it set upon security? Or is it set upon, firmly upon the foundation of a trust in divine providence, a trust in our Lord's goodness, and a trust that he still wants to work in the world through us, through your generosity? And I think today as we look at this and as you analyze within your own heart, 
This is not an invitation to impoverish yourself for the sake of the church, but instead to ask if perhaps you could sacrifice a little bit more, to give up a cup of coffee each week, going out to lunch once a week, or some other small thing that costs five to ten dollars and slightly increase your giving. No, it's not fun for me to ask this conversation, but I realize it is one of the things that we neglect most as priests, because the reality is it takes money to keep the lights on, to keep a building upkept, as I say in my letter today, the roof does need to be replaced. It's been here since 1948 when the church was built, so it's lasted us and served us rather well. And so hopefully, with your generosity, we'll be able to replace that roof, and hopefully no one will have to bother with it until 2048, or maybe later, hopefully later. But it is through that generosity that ultimately then we can continue to serve you. We can continue to bring more people into the church because it takes money to keep the lights on, yes. And I know sometimes people's problem with giving is, well, money goes to the archdiocese, that big bad wolf in the room, right? But the reality is, is looking at it over the past year, like we had the archdiocese, every time a new pastor is made, they always come and do an audit within the first year of a pastor's kind of term. And they came to St. Michael and St. Peter and Paul, and they did an audit. And we're, they said, you're doing a great job. And then they're like, here's a few helpful steps that might help you to continue to be better stewards of people's care. So they did a great job of trying to make sure that all the safeguards were in check and that nobody was exploiting the parish. Money well spent, in my opinion. We've also been relying upon them to help us with marriage prep and getting some of that stuff in order. I rely upon them pretty often for help with human resources and their CNE office, the Center for the New Evangelization, also helps out our catechists, our youth ministers, and DREs to take care of our people better, to better serve, to be better trained in the techniques, the content of the faith. In so many ways, they continue to help. But then even so, the fact that you see me standing here and three other priests throughout the month it takes money to train us. I think one time somebody did the calculation, it takes close to 200,000 to train each priest within the archdiocese, $200,000. It is something that if we want to continue to invest in that, it is not the diocese simply taking money from us that is rightfully ours. We are cared for in many different ways by the archdiocese. Is it perfect? No, it is not. But if you ever brought anything from the store, I can guarantee you could trace any trail to show how that money was spent improperly or somebody was being exploited in the process. And so it is important for us to remember that. And I think even in that terms, it is something that is a reminder that it also just takes much help from each of you to help educate you in the faith, to strengthen you in faith for us to continue to serve you. Now, does that mean that we are perfect? No. But it is important for us to reflect upon this, that do we put our faith in God? Do we put our trust in him? Or do we put our trust in ourselves? Do we simply trust that somebody else will take care of it? Because it is clearly evidence, you know, many people know that the church expects 
and requires us to be at Mass each Sunday unless there's obviously a grave reason, which we always have conversations about that, and they're very good. But also that the Church, one of the precepts of the Church, is to provide for the material needs of the Church. That is actually a requirement of the faith. So I'd encourage you, if you are not giving, to begin doing so. Because the Lord does not even just do that for himself, or for the sake of his ministers. He does it for the sake of the generosity of your heart. Because there's always that fascinating thing that the Catholics have answered. You know, there was this interesting question back in the 1700s between Protestants and Catholics. Should one give money to someone that you know will probably misuse it? So modern day would be, should you give money to somebody who you know might go off and spend it on drugs? The typical answer from the Protestant side was, no, that's imprudent. The answer from the Catholic side is, you're not required to, but you should do it perhaps out of the sake of your own generosity. Because how often has God bestowed mercy upon you, grace upon you, and that we have squandered it? It's an imitation of God's generosity to care for the poor, to care for God's church. And so I want to encourage you to continue doing so. But I also want to encourage you to continue to give thanks to God. To give thanks to God for the generosity that each and every one of you do do. Because I am very, very grateful again. I want to end there. You have all been so wonderful to me and each and every one of our priests. You have been so wonderful to our staff. And you're so wonderful to each other. It's a great gift to be a part of that small community. And so thank you for the care that you bestow upon one another. Through money, yes. But most importantly, through the love that you pour out into each other's hearts. The love that you bestow upon each other to care for one another in times of grief, in times of joy, times of difficulty, and times of triumph. You all are very, very good. But I want to encourage you to continue to get better and better in every single aspect of your life. So thank you for your generosity and of our prayers and support as you continue to move forward and journey with our Lord.